Hello from Cyberry and Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cyberry podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cyberry.it. From all of us at Cyberry and Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 401 Access Denied podcast. I'm the host, Joe Carson. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, We're always looking to bring really educational, fun, knowledgeable content to you. And today we've got a returning guest um, and is an amazing person. So I'm going to pass it over to to Bob to introduce yourself. Tell us about uh, who you are, what you do. And a little bit of background. Yeah, yourself. sure. Uh, thanks, Joseph. Appreciate the uh, the invite, and and thanks for bringing me back again. Uh, so I'm uh, Bob Burns. Uh, I'm a chief uh, product security officer with a company called Talus. Uh, in particular, their their cloud security division, uh, and I. Uh, run and manage a, a team of uh, very talented individuals who we look after the product security, uh, security engineering, uh, our service cloud security, uh, as well as certification and compliance. So all that just to say is we're sort of entrusted with making sure that uh, we're making we're meeting all the promises that uh, that we're making our customers from a security standpoint. Um, so I actually got my start as a software engineer uh, back in the day, uh, many, many, many years ago, um, <laughs> before security was a keyword in, in our industry. Um, so I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time uh, uh, mucking around in, in cryptography and, and doing security that way and eventually sort of found my way uh, into this position where I get to sort of uh, bring these teams together, get the right people for focused on the right mm-hmm. problems. Uh, we get to tackle some, some really cool challenges uh, across our product line and services. Fantastic. That's that's uh, what was what was the what was the code what was the language you said? Uh, so really, C. <laughs> I mean, everything was yeah. Everything back in the day okay. was low level. You know, anytime you're doing crypto, it was you yeah. know smart cards or embedded processors, microcontrollers, all of that stuff. So we did a lot of we did a lot of hardware. Um, but uh, but Fantastic. I've I've yeah. cut the gamut. Um, but now I really lead the hardcore <laughs> uh, coding to to the experts these days. I just try to uh, focus on the security side of things. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, security was always an afterthought or something we did at the end, rather than something we did <laughs> did at the beginning. Um, and so, okay, we we are we are changing it a bit. So, and one of the things we've got we've got a habit of doing is meeting up at yes. different events. Um, and uh, most recently, we uh, did get to catch up again uh, during B sides and RSA. Yes. Uh, I'm just curious to get kind of your viewpoint. Um, is was there any interest, any interesting talks or topics? What what did you find? Uh, some of the key takeaways from from both B sides and RSA. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I I did have to uh, go back and look at my notes a little bit to reflect because it <laughs> uh, it feels like it was yesterday, but uh, you know it was like drinking from a fire hose again. Just lots and lots of interesting people, lots and lots of topics. Yes. Um, really, really cut across the gamut. And uh, uh, I'm not challenging your readers, I mean your your viewers, to necessarily go back mm-hmm. and and look at our episode from last year. Um, but but mm-hmm. in in general, my takeaway from last year was that it was really about sort of the human element. There were a lot of things that spoke yes. to me mm-hmm. as far as, you know, sort of we were coming out of COVID. There was really a lot about teams and about, um, you know, managing mm-hmm. burnout and, and dealing with sort of bringing people yes. together. And I, I really came energized out of that, that uh, with that same, mm-hmm. uh, that same feel. Um, however, this year, I, 
I didn't get the same vibe. I didn't get the same feeling. Mm-hmm. I felt I was, uh, it was a little bit more for me personally, it was more scattershot. I found that the sessions I went to, um, were, uh, a, a little, a, a little less deep, um, in, in my perspective. Okay. But having said that, um, what I did, uh, really, uh, resonate with and what I really did, um, uh, sort of connect with was still around the team aspect. There were a lot of good topics mm-hmm. on, uh, scaling. So how do you take, mm-hmm. um, how do you take something that you know how to do well and make it bigger, make it more, uh, how do you mm-hmm. affect more teams? How do you affect more people, um, without burning out your own team and without really sort of dragging, yep. uh, those dimensions down. Um, so overall I found some of the best ones that I had still really focused on the team aspect. It focused on scaling, mm-hmm. um, and, being able to better secure uh, cloud environments. That was the other big focus that I, I focused on was, uh, was really thinking about uh, cloud services and being able to, to provide security um, at, on a large scale for all of your customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of, one of the big things I noticed between last year and this year was also, it was almost back to what RSA originally was from an attendance perspective. Okay. So um, where last year you had a bit more flexibility in choosing the sessions, where this year you had to think ahead because uh, there was a lot of long lines. A lot of the main sessions were, were there was a lot of queues and even the standby queue was quite large. Uh, so there's a lot more planning. You had to really be selective into the sessions attending this year because uh, you might you might not have got to the one that you wanted to yeah. see. Um, and the good thing as well is a lot of the sessions are now becoming, they're, they're now becoming available online as well. So you can go back. If you, if you did miss them, you can go back and at least watch them now. So which is great as well. Um, but you mentioned about, you know, I think that's a really important thing is about scaling. And that's always a challenge we've had um, is, you know, doing something really, really well. Did that also incorporate into things, you know, because we're still in the, you know, little, you know the, the post-COVID, which we're still in hybrid mode. Um, did it kind of go into some of those things about you know remote teams and hybrid um, and about how to keep connected and how to make sure people aren't feeling like in their own little silo to make sure that they feel part of a team? Did it cover any of those aspects of things? So interestingly enough, um, I didn't hit any sessions that were about that. Um, mm-hmm. But one of my biggest uh, joys in this in this past session was really meeting people outside of the sessions. So in addition mm-hmm. to connecting uh, and reconnecting with folks like you yeah. and other you know industry folks that I'm friends with across the businesses, um, I really got most of my energy and excitement out of um, meeting people in social settings <laughs> and doing things. And and to your point about um, you know sort of post COVID and scaling, one of the gentlemen mm-hmm. I met was actually from uh, Industrial Light and Magic. Um, and so we just sort of okay. randomly bumped into each other. Hey, what do you do? What do you do? Um, and we really got into the, you know, sort of what happened during COVID and it hadn't occurred to me, but, you know, ILM had some really, really interesting challenges around remote. They instantly mm-hmm. went remote. Um, and unlike a traditional enterprise, you know, their assets, number one, are hugely expensive, right? You don't want those leaking on the yep. internet. And number two, they are, you know, terabytes in size. You know, you can't instantly ask mm-hmm. all of your employees at home to all of a sudden deal with, you know, having to render huge media files in their, on their kids' home yep. computer that they just happen to have sitting around, <laughs> right? Um, so it, I had a really great conversation with him about the transition to remote and how that looked very different to what our teams did and the types of security challenges. Mm-hmm. So his role obviously was on the security side, but they really had to think about, you know, how did that go? And, and then also how are they trans- 
transitioning back to the office and how do they support that hybrid mode? Um, so going back to mm -hmm. your point about, you know, sort of that moving towards that way, you know, I can think of things in my, my team's uh, perspective and my enterprise's perspective, but, you mm -hmm. know, you get to meet at these shows, people who have a completely different problem set that they have to solve for and things that they have to sort of think of from a security standpoint that really blows your mind. You think, oh my God, it's completely different from a, a word mm -hmm. file or a, a source code file or, you know, something like that or a threat model to, to, oh my gosh, you've got something that if it got out onto the internet would be hugely damaging or, or at least expensive for a company like ILM. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen, I mean, one of the, absolutely, you, you highlighted the important part is that for me, RSA is all mostly about the networking, the sessions or the add-on. <laughs> that's the additional part, but the meeting the people, because that's where you hear, you know, the sessions are great for that general view and kind of give you some outline or some direction, uh, but meeting the people and hearing their experiences and challenges, um, that's what really gives you a bit of more perspective into, and you can learn from each other as well, how they're doing things on a much more kind of a detailed level. And I also find the same as well, you know, when, when you're working, a lot of friends of mine work in the uh, entertainment media industry as well. And they're, they're having to do like, you know, rendering, uh, you know, lots of images. Um, and to do those, you can't do them remotely. <laughs> it's very, very mm -hmm. difficult. And the processing part to do it uh, is, is large. Um, so even, yeah, they've had that, they had a, a more of a, an office rotation scenario. Um, so, you know, there were where people can come in, um, do the rendering, um, and at least, you know, um, having fewer people in the office at any one time and also having, you know, that controlled, uh, ledger, you know, of who, who, who was, who was at the office at that time yeah. as well. Um, but definitely finding a lot of interesting things, um, is always gonna, uh, to learn from those and, and other industries where, where, working hybrid or working remote is sometimes not possible. Uh, there's a lot of industries where it's either very highly secure that you're working in, you know, let's say not so much early gap systems, but very, very sensitive environments where you have to be physically there in person. Um, and you don't want to have them open, you know, public uh, access or remote access becomes very, very challenging. Um, so yes, yeah, so we, we, we still, those environments do exist. And it, it means that you have to think about a way to, to keep them operating. Um, what other things did you learn about, you know, you talked a bit about cloud security and uh, uh, one big takeaway that I saw uh, was around in cloud security was around API security, which was a big hot topic. It was around basically we've started seeing where API has become the, the glue <laughs> to, keep, to keep things holding together. Um, and sometimes I've seen like hard coded credentials. I've seen, you know, um, you know tokenized credentials. Uh, APIs and and then if you're you know in between clouds, it's what's keeping the clouds connected together. These hybrid clouds and multi clouds. So what was what was the big takeaway when you kind of you know look at from a cloud security perspective? What was the the kind of hot topics there? Yeah, and you hit on probably one of the biggest at least visible trends that I saw at RSA uh, and B sides mm -hmm. a little bit as well was you know the the API is the new perimeter for services, right? It's the it's the new buzzword, <laughs> yes. right? And it's the and and rightfully so, right? It is it is the mm -hmm. connection point. Um, the the reality mm -hmm. is is that now uh, businesses and services are connecting um, 
less through sales and more through consuming APIs. It becomes that your developers are now mm -hmm. the ones making the decisions of what, who you're going to connect with and why and what that interface mm -hmm. looks like. Um, so that becomes the primary touch point. And, and it's just mm -hmm. natural that that becomes the point at which a service can become vulnerable or you could end up losing money because you know someone steals your mm -hmm. credentials or uses your API or over consumes. Um, so there was a, a, a great deal of, um, I would say, a lot more marketing and certainly a lot more buzz around products um, mm -hmm. and services that could secure that interface. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from my, my personal perspective, um, I think that uh, we're seeing a little bit of hype in that area. Um, you know, I think it's mm -hmm. probably a little bit overhyped is that, uh, you know, there's a, there's, there's certainly a lot of uh, energy and marketing around it. Um, however, mm -hmm. you know, APIs have a fairly well uh, understood um, uh, mechanism for doing authentication and yep. access um, and limiting and, you know, and certainly hiding behind those behind proxies and gateways. And mm -hmm. um, so I think that, I think that overall it is important. I think uh, overall it is something that needs to be taken seriously. Um, I think each mm -hmm. enterprise has to look at it differently. Um, but ultimately it's one of those things that uh, doesn't cause me to stay, uh, to lose any sleep uh, overnight, uh, thinking about uh, those types of things. Um, but generally it is, it is, it is something that I think the difference now is that it is, it is the interface. It has moved from login selections to being able to automate and pull stuff off. So it is the primary touch point between enterprises and services now. So it is getting a lot of attention. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And talk about the hype, you know, um, there was a lot of talk around uh, AI and machine learning and other types of things. Um, and it, what was what was your viewpoint? Did, or did you attend any sessions that you know AI or ML in it, or did you you know? I know a lot of the vendors had a lot of AI uh, was it solutions. Um, what was what was your takeaway from an AI perspective from from? RSA? Yeah, that's that was actually a good point, and I brought that up to my uh, my teams when I came back. I feel like um, I feel like the uh, the attendance, or I should say, the submissions at RSA kind of missed or predated the AI hype window. Um, so there weren't yeah. actually a lot of talks that necessarily titled or focused on AI. Um, however, there were a lot of people who are bringing it into it, especially in the keynotes. There were a lot of clever, um, you know, uses of AI and video <laughs> AI and, you know, and, and uh, you know, deep fake AI to just sort of make a point about mm -hmm. security. Um, so I think probably next year will be the year at RSA where you'll see a lot of uh, marketing materials. Um, uh, on that topic. So, so to answer your question, no, I didn't see anything specific, any specific uh, topics mm -hmm. on it. Um, uh, however, uh, for the few things that I did see, um, I think it's a, it's an emerging technology. I think it's going to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. I think it has a lot of impact on the security industry, um, especially in our business, right? There's a, there's a, a, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, motion around things like copilot or things that are auto generating code mm -hmm. for you. Um, what's the impact of feeding some of your own code snippets into it, especially if it's sensitive uh, code snippets. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of privacy information around that. I, I think we're really early days. I think there's just still a lot to come and a lot to learn. Um, I've done a little Absolutely. experimenting myself and had a little bit of fun. Um, 
I, I'm certainly not as afraid of, of large language models as, as a lot of people would uh, make it out to be. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great technology as long as you're using it for what it's designed for and as long as you understand the limitations. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not predicting any sort of AI Armageddon uh, anytime soon from a, from a, a hyper-intense autocomplete language engine. So... Yeah, it's a pre predict predictive uh, yeah. texting, <laughs> and it's good. It's well, really, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, I love it. It, it, it is, is really good. interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it. it's it's great to see that, and especially the the, the artistic ones. You know, the artwork ones I think are very interesting. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of ethical concerns. There's also concerns about uh, licensing. Mm -hmm. What are they? Where are they getting the source material to feed this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yes, the, the copy, the copyright, data rights management issues, privacy exactly. issues. Uh, but from a security uh, standpoint, um, we you know uh, we uh, think uh, about you know things like code provenance or even you know source material provenance you know are we are we consuming data that could that could cause an issue or create a security issue um, and conversely are we leaking information uh, if we're if we're using yeah. these types of tools and these types of engines uh, is this potentially sending uh, sensitive information or intellectual property uh, to somewhere that would uh, not treat mm -hmm. it as such and end up inadvertently exposing it elsewhere so those are those are our primary yep. security concerns around uh, using those types of tools. yeah I've heard a lot of organizations going and putting a lot of policies around their development uh, kind of processes yeah. about you know restrictive uh, use and uh, what they can and you know can't yeah. do so um, until, until it's been it becomes more clear yeah. <laughs> about you know how you can use it uh, in a secure you know private private yeah. way so absolutely. Uh, one of the big things I find, so even, even for day one of RSA, I thought that was quite interesting. A lot of the day one sessions I find was very focused around the C-level side of kind of the topics. So it got into lots of things around, you know, getting budget and communicating with the board and communicating with executives. And there's a bit of insurance in there. So, um, so it was very much around the communication side of things. Uh, I thought it was interesting because absolutely we do need to, we do need to become better communicators, especially um, at being able to translate uh, security challenges and security priorities into something that boards understand. Um, is there anything that you find around those topics that was interesting or um, that was uh, valuable for you? Uh, I actually didn't attend those sessions. I did see them, um, but it, it actually mm -hmm. makes up a large part of my life is, you know, being the translator between real security risk <laughs> um, and convincing boards. Um, I, I do find it uh, interesting in this. Uh, I think there was a plethora of, of sessions on that topic. I think mm -hmm. part of it is probably driven by some of the contraction in our industry, right? You know, there were a lot of companies mm -hmm. who were who were certainly tightening belts and, and changing their financial um, uh, posture. Yep. And I think when that happens, what you need is you need a voice who can make sure that the priorities are being brought to the decision makers in the mm -hmm. most efficient way way possible. Um, uh, and, and that's constantly been a struggle, right? Is that, mm -hmm. you know, we always think that, that CEOs are the uh, pinnacle of thinking about risk all the time. They run their business like risk. If yeah. you can just talk in risk and speak in the risk language, they'll make the right mm -hmm. decisions. Um, but the reality is they're all human like anybody else, right? And, and they have to make decisions with lots of inputs, with lots of different things. And they're balancing it based mm -hmm. upon where their business is at. Um, so it's it's more than just being able to talk about risk. It's more it's being able to put mm -hmm. um, to tell the story in the context of what the business mission is and what you're trying to achieve yeah. and what the current pressures on the business are. You know, a lot of times you've got to sort of give and take. Um, it's not black and white mm -hmm. as much as we want 
you know, a red light, green light for security that just says this is secure and this is not secure. If it's not secure, fix it. Um, it's never that easy, uh, especially at scale. So um, being able to, to bridge that gap between your technical experts mm -hmm. and the people who uh, actually are running the ship and making sure that you're being mm -hmm. safe and you're doing the right things and translating that into actionable um, uh, plans and costs and budgets uh, for the mm -hmm. sea level, I think is a really important underutilized skill. Uh, and I'm really glad to see uh, that they've done a lot of sessions and, and we're starting to see more of that conversation of bridging that gap between what do we do to how do we make sure it fits within the bigger yeah. plan. Absolutely. Is it all, I think, uh, I, I attended a workshop as well during, during RSA, which was all about risk quantification, which was all for me was really interesting to get, you know, a CFO's mm -hmm. perspective and the CEO's perspective, you know, into risk quantification. To your point, it, it was really about kind of into where are, where are our risks related to the business, not related to security, <laughs> but to the business and then translating those, you know, into, you know, from the security into that business element. And then also where's the business resiliency, you know, how are we applying that, you know, side of things. So I think it's probably, I think a lot of some of the sessions I attended, were, which were that focus, it was a lot of new uh, people who were just going into the CISO because I think the CISO and the BISO had been two areas of significant growth. And I think a lot of new kind of in the last year, a lot of organizations have decided to take on that as a significant role. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, uh, you know, let's say, you know, one or two year experience CISOs, you know, that were attending the sessions that were really, I think, finding it challenging to communicate and not, you know, they don't have the experience about they've a very technical background, but not so much the business element. And I think that's where they were kind of learning. And I think it was great to see that because uh, it is important uh, to make sure that we have that continuous education knowledge sharing uh, for, you know, in order to, you know, those who are starting the roles, because there's very few resources around. There's some good books in there. There's very few resources that teach you the business element of it, you know, uh, especially if you're coming from a technical uh, background. Um, so finding those is, is really important. Any other highlights, any other things that was kind of significant or memorable moments? Uh, that you uh, well, I mean, besides uh, the amazing session on uh, gamifying uh, hacking uh, that I happened to see um, <laughs> that I attended, I'm not sure, I can't remember the, the person, but they, they were quite good. They did a great demo. They were very risky and, mm -hmm. and took on the demo gods and, and came through uh came through very well um i think that uh you know it, it, again I'm, I'm struggling a little bit just because i, I really came away and none of the sessions necessarily really kind of came mm -hmm. at me at me hard um and it really was mm -hmm. the personal conversations and the connections i the made personal conversations. um you know and, and it cut across the gamut you know it was it was really really mm -hmm. things and, and the things i love is it's it's people with very different backgrounds than me that that came up in different mm -hmm. ways um, you know, in, in, in one in particular was I, I met a woman who started in a help desk at a uh, at a uh, construction company uh, out on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and she is essentially the CISO now and CISO now out over many, cool. many years okay. of just sort of caring and being the one who really sort of thought about what was the right thing to do versus the wrong thing to do mm -hmm. and just sort of plowed her way through uh, and, and took on the took on the company and, and took on the responsibility and ultimately ended up mm -hmm. um, you know, driving that. And, and, and those are the things I learn when I see these different stories uh, from different people. And that's the thing that really, I, I think I take away from these sessions and, and really inspire me to, to mm -hmm. make changes and, and focus on other things in, in my team. And I, and I think on that, oh, sorry, a lot of times, yeah. yeah, a lot of times I help us is that, is that 
in between the tech and the business side of things. So they're the ones that know when, 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 when certain things aren't working yeah. in the business, they're the ones that identify where the tech is failing. Yeah. Um, so they do become very good at being able to make that connection. Exactly. Exactly. And are potentially you know, very good bizos and CISOs of the future for yeah, sure. For sure. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I think along those topics, so when we go back and, you know, just even though I can't narrow and focus mm -hmm. in on, on one specific session, uh, a number of the sessions that I was, I was uh, at least drawn to, to, to attend um, were really around scalability, um, about how you, mm -hmm. how you do this from a secure standpoint. So whether you're taking a service that maybe hasn't had security to start with and you're trying to make it bigger, um, mm -hmm. or you're taking your security function and trying to scale it um, much more broadly you know it, it covered a lot of topics but you know in retrospect when I started sort of dissecting it and, and peeling it apart the things mm -hmm. I took away from it is that the language and the systems that people were describing to help with scalability of, of security mm -hmm. um, in these systems really boiled down to empathy um, and it had mm -hmm. to do with the fact that um, uh, you know, and it wasn't stated explicitly, but, you know, when you think, start thinking about DevSecOps or some way of mm -hmm. being able to build security champion programs or being able to get more advocates in your organization who care about security, or even to the point where you're, you know, you're communicating at the CEO level, at the end of the day, you know, success is either done by, you know, sort of one or a small group of people who can understand a vertical intimately and can do it top to bottom. And ultimately they care. So they deliver the security from top to bottom. Um, or you end up having a, um, a very large swath of people who all care um, mm -hmm. and can bring security across, but you can't do that. You've got to be able to break that down. And for me, mm -hmm. the point is, is for security people to understand and empathize with the real problem that other people are trying to solve. You know, DevOps mm -hmm. or DevSecOps was really about taking devs and making them care about ops by making them, you know, have skin in the game. Um, security champion programs, when you look at them, they're really about embedding inside the developers, you know, someone who cares about security. Yeah. So it really is about how do you take an empathetic view to making mm -hmm. sure that you are not just foisting security on people and you're not just throwing it over the fence and you're not just writing policies, but you're actually striving to empathize with the problems up and down the stack yeah. and figure out how to, to build, you know, uh, build uh, advocates, champions, uh, people who care about it, or you just caring about their problems mm -hmm. so that you're not introducing toil. Right. And, and that's sort of yeah, what I've pivoted absolutely. to, you know, coming out of this show a little bit um, is is really helping uh, to find ways to strengthen empathy between what we're trying to do and how we can help the teams start in a more default secure state and and add security without mm -hmm. introducing foil oh, default. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> default is the yeah. important thing because that's one of the things I've been kind of is, is we we always talk about this you know shifting left and security by design, uh, but for me it needs to be more than that. It needs to be security by default. It needs to be always on. It needs to be. It, you know, I remember seeing you know one of the one of the cloud companies you know saying that uh, uh, you need to turn the default security on, and I laughed. <laughs> I was like. Yeah. Shouldn't be on yeah. already. <laughs> what do I need to turn the default basic security settings on? My expectation would be called default. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't need to turn it on. Using that word um, wrong. But yeah. you, you mentioned an important point. 
Yeah, you mentioned important point is that we really need to pull down the silos. And security's been a we, we always looked at security as an IT problem. Um, as in, you know, we we direct it to IT. And I learned an important lesson um, when I was doing it was a uh, risk assessment for a large transportation company. And ultimately, one of the lessons I learned was that we can't we can't operate in security as a separate silo anymore. It needs to be. We need to realize that security is something. Yes, we do have IT security related, you know, uh, needs, but we also have HR security needs. We have SEAL security needs. We have financial security needs, and this gets into. I, I recently did some uh, large uh, kind of research in the business resiliency side of things, and as I was going down that path, I realized that. Resiliency is many things. You have financial resiliency, which could be going down the path of cyber insurance. You have business resiliency, which goes down the path of maybe having a good backup and his response and, you know, uh, uh, kind of um, uh, backup strategy plan and business resiliency. But, you know, you've got operational resiliency. Okay, do we have two of everything? Do we have, you know, manual systems? And it really gets into kind of thinking about those and, and looking how you can look at the different lines of business or different you know, business operations and then trying to get security as part of those. And I think you brought an important part is that where I look at it, you know, cyber ambassadors or cyber mentors or, you know, really looking to get people in other parts of the business to become your advocate in those areas. And, and it doesn't, doesn't necessarily need to be a tech person. It needs to be somebody who is, understands the business that they're operating in. Uh, whether it being in the financial team or whether it being in the sales team, and they can understand. To your point, empathy is really take. You know, they they believe in what they're doing, and they believe security is an important part of it, and they become your communicator, your your way into those businesses, um, and it becomes really important. One of the things I remember when I first did this, um, the best people to actually become those mentors and, and ambassadors were victims of cybercrime. <laughs> it was the people who actually had something, they knew what, what it meant to become a victim. They knew the damage it could cause. Um, and, you know, they wanted to make sure that it wouldn't happen again. And that they became some of the best advocates uh, to really taking that message on and then becoming one of the best ways to, to, to you know, it, it's getting that security by default and by, you know, in, in, by culture. Um, because ultimately, you know, they start, you know, kind of messaging and sharing with the people around them and caring about it as well. Yeah. And, and, and cause they felt the pain, right? I mean, those people who've had experience yep. and, and that's one form of empathy, right? Because they've been through it and they've, mm -hmm. they've done it, you know, and, and part of it is it's, it's kind of two ways, you know, you have to, you know, they care about what you're trying to achieve, but sometimes mm -hmm. you've got to care about what faces them, right? What are their problems? Yep. What are their business goals? What are they trying to achieve? What is in their day to day? You know, it may be simple to say, oh, well, we've created this really good security onboarding system, just create this JIRA ticket. But if you go to somebody mm -hmm. who's you know, day-to-day -day job doesn't afford them the opportunity to easily create a ticket. Or if creating a ticket is not, you know, they're not a developer, they're somewhere else in the organization. And to them, JIRA is some funny word that you're making up. You know, that's not really understanding <laughs> their problem, right? Or how they want to do it. And yeah. sometimes you might think you're automating it or making it easy. But if you don't actually empathize and understand what it takes in an organization to be able to do that, you're not necessarily taking it all into account. And, and it, it, it's, it's going both ways. So again, I don't have a, a specific recipe, but I think that mm -hmm. empathy is, the, is one of the key messages that I think is going to play mm -hmm. an important role in ensuring scalability across a diverse population.
Yeah, absolutely. It, it becomes enabler when people start seeing securities is helping them, you know, and this is one of the things that, you know, we've had a lot of discussions with some peers of mine as well, is that we, we have a security image problem that we've always been the, the, the you know, the, the no people, you know, we the ones that slow machines down and we put all these processes and barriers in front of, you know, um, but we really need to get to the point where we have to change that image that um, they don't see, they see it as more of an enabler that helps them uh, do their job. And, and this is an important part. I think, you know, you're absolutely right. It is a two-way communication because, um, and it does mean that in our roles in, in cybersecurity, we have to become much better listeners because um, we've always been historically at policy enforcers. You know, we're looking at, here's the, here's the here's the framework and here's the policies that supports that framework and therefore everybody must follow it. And if you go outside it, then, you know, you, 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 you're basically creating risk. Um, so we became policy enforcers. And I do believe that we need to become much more better listeners because we had to realize that, um, and it's always great, you know, is, is we're here to not just protect computer systems and IT systems, but we're here to protect the services that they deliver and the people that's using them. And it really gets into where we need to be understanding about what the people using them, what, what they get measured on, what success look for, like for them. Uh, what what's their metrics that says you know that they're doing their job well, and we can't put things that actually you know slow them down at achieving those goals or that preventing them from achieving those goals. So it really means that we have to become how how do I help them do that in a in a better way in a safe way um, that actually you know even accelerates them on that path and makes it much more achievable. Um, and that's where you get to the point where it becomes that bi-directional is if you're able to achieve that for, for people, they will in turn, you know, accept you more and, and be willing to support you and voice you and, 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 and promote you. Um, and I think that's one of the things we have to change is, is you know, the, take down this image problem that we've got of being the fear of policy enforcers to really being enablers. Um, it's a long, we have a long way to go. Um, but definitely, you know, absolutely people like yourself, you know, that have the ability to change that in organizations, um, you know, will really make a big difference. And the more we get doing that, that will over time take, say, you know, security from being the scary place (laughs) to being actually something that's fun, um, that people enjoy and that is actually helping us do our jobs better. So I, I think that's a, that's a really important topic and it's a difficult one to do. Because, you know, in organizations, you know, culture is, is, is one thing and behavior. Those are things that take time. Um, they, it's not something you can simply do overnight. It's a very well thought through strategy that you have to do it in little pieces and pieces over time to, to, to you know, and sometimes in, in, in one department first and another department, you know, next. And so, I mean, how, how, how you know, how is your strategy going and, and have you already kind of seen any progress so far? Um, are you in the early phase of this? Is uh, how, how are you saying progress so far? It's it's been a constant journey. So uh, and I would say progress is is slow, um, but it has always moved forward. And I think mm-hmm. part of it is, um, I think the industry is helping somewhat. Is that security is becoming mm-hmm. more and more of an important topic at all levels in the business, yeah. right? You know, as the risks increase, and you know, the news talks about ransomware a lot, and and you know, risks mm-hmm. to businesses, etc. That sort of accelerates some of the conversations uh, that we need to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, I think the technology is changing. I think that we're getting better and better 
um, uh, capabilities to be able to make these things, as you say, uh, the default um, by, by having, <laughs> you know, uh, vendors and, and our own, you know, implementations that we start from a more secure um, set of guardrails or paved roads. Um, I think that mm -hmm. that has that has that has gone, um, but there's still a lot more to do. And I think as we, especially as we expand into the cloud and we get um, much broader surface areas, um, much bigger estates of compute and data, um, and I, you know, you mix in uh, other compliance challenges like GDPR and privacy and a few other things, it's it's really sort of um, it, it's been a challenge. Um, but I will say, I, I think things have changed. I've seen a lot of different improvements. I think one of the it just sort of a prototypical example, and this isn't necessarily our organization, but I, I always think of the prototype of, um, you know, phishing emails and the the classic mm -hmm. uh, security, uh, you know, hey, let's test all the users by sending out the scary email and see who <laughs> clicks on it, right? I mean, that was, you know, that was the the, the control du jour, you know, many years mm -hmm. ago. Um, but thinking has really come around and said, you know, we really shouldn't tell users whose job it is to click on things, to not click on things. Instead, let's make some tools and techniques. Let's put some filters in. Let's put some proxies in. Let's try to just transparently stop them from doing something really bad and let them get on with their jobs, yeah. right? I, I, I think that's just sort of a prototype. And that's a lot of the stuff we're doing. Like I said, you know, we had Jira tickets, right? That That's prevalent for mm -hmm. software developers. So it's very easy for us to tell the dev teams, hey, you need to do this. But when we're onboarding mm -hmm. cloud IAM accounts from people who are not in the dev community, having to do that um, isn't easy. So we're creating portals that make this a lot easier, that mm -hmm. it just becomes a click. And, uh, and it already knows the SSO and says, this is who I am. And you don't have to fill in all kinds of information, right? So it's, it's finding those little bits of technology that you can connect together, hopefully through cool APIs, like we talked about earlier, yeah. um, <laughs> that sort of make it so that it fits within the framework of what people are mm -hmm. trying to achieve. Uh, I think that's really yeah, the getting the familiar familiar with what exactly. they're used to. So rather, rather than changing to something that's completely different. Exactly. Um, I think that's a really really critical, you know, um, kind of direction. So what what the, what kind of curious what so what would you like to see um, you know more of you know what 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 was missing at RSA that you would expect to see more of that you didn't see. Um, I think, uh, you know, generally speaking, uh, I think that some of the sessions uh, went a little bit more shallow this year. I'd like to see some deeper sessions. Mm -hmm. um, like your session was particularly mm -hmm. good. It was very technical. Um, you know, it talked about the why and then showed, you know, how, right? And mm -hmm. I, I really am attracted to those sorts of, you know, deep dive sessions. Mm -hmm. um, but even for the the softer things or the human things or even the, C, you know, the CEO type discussions, mm -hmm. um, I felt that, uh, you know, it, it, it went back to an old old template uh, uh, from a few years ago, which yeah. was, um, you know, uh, not enough information, not enough information density in mm -hmm. some of these sessions. It's the actionable yeah. side of things. That's what really kind yeah. of the key part is, is that, and thank you for the yeah. feedback. I mean, I, 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 I wish I could have done my session better. Um, I, I wish I, if I was to change, uh, I would do the, de I would start the demo much earlier. I, I ran, I ran out of time for the demo portion. So that's what I kind of realized that, you know, going back, I was like, oh, the demo worked great, but. I should have started it much earlier because that's more the more interesting aspect. Yeah. Um, so what, when when you're doing those, you always you, will, you always learn from yeah. it. Yeah, of course, <laughs> so you do. So, but I but I always find you know again um, the important thing is yeah. the why, right? And that's what that's what really yeah. draws me in is is when I under when the audience mm -hmm. can understand 
why something is happening or why something needs to be done or, or, or why it was done a certain way. It, it just, for me, it's, a, it's mm-hmm. just a lot more compelling. So, you know, moving forward, I would like to see um, RSA, I, you know, sessions that I would like to see some on the AI side. I think that, again, as it's an emerging mm-hmm. topic, um, I think I've yeah. seen some really interesting information uh, coming out recently around threat modeling of AIs. You know, what do mm-hmm. those models look like? Where are your risks? Which I think are important to understanding uh, any of these systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd really like to. Uh, I'd really like to continue the trend on um, being able to secure a more broadly uh, set of assets. So I, you know, I won't use mm-hmm. the. the the, the ZT uh, acronym uh, around what it is. But <laughs> the reality is, is that our, our data and our assets and our mm-hmm. people um, are no longer constrained inside of a castle and behind a moat, right? The, the yes. days of us, um, you know, living in an office and sitting uh, all together where you can put up hard defenses um, doesn't make sense. And, and not just from an IT perspective, really from, you know, all kinds of assets, you know, whether it's, it's development or it's um, data or it's compute. Um, you know, I'd really like to see a lot more focus on how uh, uh, techniques for being able to make sure that you can understand where your assets and data are, um, how you scale that to multi-cloud, um, and then also mm-hmm. deal with regional um, and sovereignty issues, because that's the other big trend okay. I see coming, yeah. um, is that, you know, countries and, and, and nation states are really taking a much more keen interest um, not only mm-hmm. on your assets and data, but also on your process, your security, um, completely different set of organizations want to take an interest in how you do things. Um, and I think it's starting to sort of um, move the industry towards siloing again, where we're, we're going to start putting up yes. borders and boundaries. And all of that brings security. It changes the security landscape. Your threat model is no longer a pretty picture um, with just a couple of AWS blobs on it. It becomes a much bigger beast with uh, with a, with its own uh, circulatory system and living and breathing uh, mm-hmm. uh, systems that, that keep everything in check. And trying to secure that uh, is always going to be a challenge. Yeah, the regulatory that, that very much the nation states are all kind of looking to kind of keep, you know, certain data related to their citizens and within their land borders and definitely for those listening definitely go look for the episode that i talked about the data embassy that's (laughs) also something that uh, estonia has been uh utilizing in order to deal you know at least to allow their citizens data to be outside the physical land of the country you know um uh, and and be still under the sovereign law within other locations so it's always an interesting episode yeah. to listen to uh bob it's been yeah. fantastic having you on it's very insightful very educational as always yeah. uh, getting kind of your feedback and kind of your you know views and what you learn from rsa and the networking side of things and and some of the outlooks and, and how you're putting those into action within your organization and um, it's always fantastic listening in um, any final thoughts, any final uh, takeaways for the audience that you, you can help want them to take away? Um, I, I would say, uh, you know, my, my big takeaway is I would say, you know, find something that works for you and do try to attend events like this. You know, RSA is the big one, um, but it doesn't have to be the big yeah. one. Find one in your region. Um, you know, I think uh, I'm a particular fan of B-sides. Um, I think that they are very regional. Um, they usually reflect the community that they're being run in. So um, you can usually connect with a lot of people with similar things. Mm-hmm. 
um, but it doesn't have to be those. I, I'd say really find some folks in uh, that are that are convenient for you to geographically get with, um, because as fun as consuming these stuff on YouTube after they publish them or make them live afterwards, um, there's really no substitute for having a a face to face conversation with somebody who has some shared uh, experience, but also can bring a different perspective. Absolutely. It's, it's the, the conversations in the hallway sometimes are the most valuable from events. Um, and I, I definitely cherish and, and value, you know, all of the lessons I've learned from the hallways and the, and the networking, especially, you know, people like yourself and others that I've met. Um, I, I've learned a lot from, from, from those interactions. So very much appreciate it. And so for the audience, I hope you really enjoyed this. This is another fantastic, you know, education to getting the key takeaways and some of the kind of the top trends that we're looking at and, and some things that uh, uh, Bob has put into place that uh, really looking at uh, uh, in order to kind of from, from the empathy and the culture side of things, which I think is is vital to our industry. Um, so again, tune every two, every two weeks for the 401 Access Denied podcast. I'm the host, Joe Carson. And again, many thanks, Bob, for, for being here and uh, sharing your insights uh, and, and really great experience and knowledge with the audience. My pleasure. Um, again, thank you very much. And uh, everyone, take care, stay safe, and see you in two weeks' time.